He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. That's never not going to be weird. Uh, <laughs> I am Anthony Irwin. I am joined. This so, so Vox hands me this show, and they hand me the keys to this vehicle, and they say, all right, so what do you got lined up for your first show? And I'm like, you know what, man? There are very few people who have been better to me, nicer to me, um, as important as this guy has been for me. Uh, since I started doing this and since we started talking, George Sedano is, is joining me. This is really, uh, this is, this means a lot for me to, for you to be the first guest on here. So, so thanks very much for doing it, man. Well, dude, it means a lot to me. Uh, and thank you for having me on, on the maiden voyage. Um, and I'm super proud of you. Um, you know, you and I have talked, uh, for a long time, uh, about a lot of different things beyond basketball. And I'm super excited for your future and everything that's going to happen here moving forward and it is weird to hear the anthony Irwin show but i like it it has a ring to it it it's never not going to be weird like it's it's you've you've had you've had you know your name on stuff for a long time now like was it ever not weird for you like it's always always super weird um (laughs) i mean it just it is what it is but i mean it's part of the deal but it means you've arrived somewhere when your name is on the marquee so just (laughs) take take it with uh for what it's worth at that point I, I, I'll, I'll try. I'll try is, is the best I can promise. All right. So today's show, uh, we have a fun one lined up for you guys. So Sedano and I, we are going to talk about uh, the playoffs, the playing games, all of that stuff. The Lakers season, the heat season, this entire NBA season has been, has been pretty wacky. And then I have a, a, a if it, if it works out, okay. I have, I have another guest coming on um, for the last few minutes of the show uh, to prep you guys for Wednesday's game. So uh, George, I want to start here. Um, when the Lakers and Warriors, uh, you know, wound up in this playing game against each other, were there like tears shed at, at ESPN? Like, was there? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? We popped champagne. Good Lord. Oh, oh my God. Like, no, I meant happy tears. I didn't... <laughs> yeah, I was sitting. No, I know. I know what you meant. I'm saying we, we took it a step further. We just broke out the bubbly, basically, is what we we're talking Dude, I was watching that Memphis game. I'm not even on the Lakers-Warriors game, okay? Right. And right. I was watching Memphis come back in that game. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> no offense to the Grizzlies, but, you know, I root for myself in this case. And myself is whatever's best for ESPN. Um, so, yes, we. Uh, I would imagine people – in Bristol, somewhere, are very excited that that ended up being the matchup. And honestly, in the NBA offices in New York, too. Because oh yeah, if you want to make the play-in game a thing, you needed a couple of things. A, people to be disgruntled about it. Check, yeah. right? LeBron, <laughs> Mark Cuban, Luka Doncic, right. et cetera. Basically, right? anybody who looked like they might be in it. Plenty of yeah. disgruntledness. <laughs> but, but they needed to be star power type people, right? They had yeah. to have some star power to them. So check. And then the other part of the equation is you had to have like blue blood type teams, right? Where mm-hmm. people are, you know, they're a draw, right? So now you've got arguably the two biggest draws in the sport playing against each other. You've got the rivalry of Steph Curry and LeBron James one more time. Uh, one game for 
maybe not all the marbles, but for some marbles, right? There'll be some marbles <laughs> that will be distributed. And, uh, and here you go. So yeah, I, I don't know if I sound excited enough for everyone at the company, but I, uh, I venture to guess everyone sounds as excited, if not more excited than me. I love the notion of like a, a marble meter. Yeah. On this game. Like, a couple marbles. Just, it's worth a couple marbles. There's play some it. marbles involved. Yeah. yeah there, there's yeah. no, I, uh, it, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, the Lakers and Warriors are going to play in this one game. And obviously it doesn't immediately end either of their series, right? Correct. Either yeah. of their seasons. So yep. uh, whoever loses is going to have another opportunity to play uh, for the eight seed against the winner of the nine, 10 game. Yep. But like, I'm not even kidding. If if it winds up, so if the Lakers don't go to the finals or if the Nets don't go to the finals, this might be like the biggest game of the year. This might this might get the biggest rating of the year. If it, if if we head towards like a Utah Milwaukee final, this might outrate all of those games. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I hope not. Um, but it's uh cuz usually this builds as a crescendo, you know what I mean? But um what I would say about that is this. Uh, I think that the biggest challenge the NBA has faced, right? And I know everybody's got their own laundry list of things that they would suggest. I never complain I, about the NBA. What are you but, talking about? But, but I would suggest that predictability is mm -hmm. one of the NBA's biggest problems, right? Absolutely. And I think that this solves potentially some of that, right? Mm -hmm. And now look, we'll have to wait and see, right? We'll have to let it play out for a while and see how it works for a couple of years. But I do think it at least attempts to solve some of those problems, right? Where I think it's, God, I saw the numbers the other day. I want to say it was like over 70% of the champions are like a top two or three seed, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's more than any other sport by a pretty decent margin, right? I think the NFL and Major League Baseball were in like the high 50s. Uh, hockey was like 49 or 50 something you know hockey's crazy uh, you know yeah. teams win as the eighth seed in hockey so <laughs> but it, of all the professional sports in this country it's the most predictable and I think that that hurts it sometimes now yeah I, I do believe it's weird because I also believe dynasties matter and mm -hmm. I think that you know dynastic type teams and I don't know if that's a real word but I created it and I'll just run with it I, I think that has always helped sports uh, people can say that there was fatigue of the Patriots and Tom Brady, but the numbers suggested differently, right? No. Um, you know, back in the days with the Cowboys and Niners, the same thing. And in the NBA, the Lakers have generally been gold, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, the Warriors were, were good. Um, the Heat, certainly. I mean, good Lord. Uh, the, the, when the Heat were with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh on their roster, uh, we hadn't seen numbers like that since the Jordan era, right? So mm -hmm. I think just everybody hated them for the most part. So I, I do think that having those kinds of teams matter, uh, but I do think that the predictability part of it will, will help. And I think that, you know, it may get you a Milwaukee, Utah once in a while, but if you, if you're striving to get to the point where major league baseball and the NFL are, you're going to have to hit some, you know, potholes along the way on this mm -hmm. road, right. Where every one of these teams has some semblance of general interest. And you only mm -hmm. do that by doing something like this. Yeah. This is the most kind of wide open uh, field I have seen in a long time. And I thought I said that about last year's field uh, because it was the bubble, because it was so unique, because there's basically an off season within the season. So you had the questions that came along with that, but, but this year is so different. This is the, you're talking about, 
between the Nets, the Lakers, Nuggets less so because they don't have Murray. Murray but the Clippers, okay. uh, Utah, Phoenix, you're talking about potentially six or seven teams whose fans legitimately believe they can win a championship. Let, let's do the exercise real quick. So you have the two L.A. teams, right? You have Utah, you have Phoenix, um, uh, and the Clippers, right? I think, you know, if Denver had Murray, they would absolutely be in that conversation. Yeah. Right um, and then in the East, you've got Brooklyn, you've got Philly, you've got Milwaukee. And would it surprise you if Jimmy Butler and the Heat went crazy and all of a sudden they beat Milwaukee and, you know, Look, I'm not saying they should they should beat a healthy Brooklyn team on the way there, mm-hmm. but the key part of that sentence was healthy, right? Like, mm-hmm. look at those three guys, okay? Right. So would it surprise you if the Heat had this other ridiculous run and, like, they would beat Philly. Like, I, I, I tweeted this the other day. I said, if they're the four or five, they're getting to the conference finals because mm-hmm. they own Philadelphia. Um, so – even then now I don't think it's going to happen because that path is just absurd, even for an Eastern conference, right. To go through Milwaukee, Brooklyn and Philly potentially to get to the finals, but I ain't ruling anything out with those guys, especially with Jimmy after what we saw last year and that run they had. Who knows, man, like this season, it's so weird. Like there are so like you, you talked about the predictability a second ago. uh, And that's something that the, the league always is, is kind of contending with the opposite of predictability is doubt and in every single team that is in this field there is a reason to doubt them you know no question the, no the question lakers uh have have missed lebron and ad for 30 games apiece well the- wait wait pause there for a second yes they've missed those guys and those guys being healthy is i think the big trump card particularly yeah. ad like a cheat mm-hmm. code but Look, the Lakers shooting, I know it was suspect last year going into the bubble, but we're not playing in the bubble anymore, right? Where everybody talked about the sight lines for shooters being so much easier. And that's why we saw even guys like Marcus Smart hitting like 38 or 39% of his three. KCP wants to go back to the bubble. Like he's asking to go to Orlando. The Lakers last year, if I recall correctly, heading into the playoffs were 22nd overall uh, on three point in three point shooting. And then in the playoffs, they shot an absurd percentage. Um, They're 21st this year in percentage 25th in makes mm-hmm. um so that thing is feast or famine now a lot of that gets resolved if lebron and ad are healthy because you get a lot more open looks mm-hmm. but it's still to your point a, a weakness on on that roster absolutely absolutely well i that's kind of what i wanted to ask next is you have paid uh, very close attention to lebron's career you covered him in miami you have seen the different stages of, of, of the path that he has taken that, that seems to have no end in sight for, you know, somehow yet this is the most doubt that I think people have had about LeBron, especially physically heading into a postseason in, in a long time, maybe ever, you know, since his like rookie season. And, and this is a, a, a year that, you know, he can, he can jump up and tie magic and tie Kobe he can uh, the Lakers can can uh, leapfrog the Celtics for all time. So so, you know, even while his body kind of failed him this year, where, where are you at in terms of what you've seen, what you've watched from him this year? How confident are you that we're going to get, you know, the, the typical playoff LeBron? Um, probably less confident than I've been in the past, although his recent efforts have certainly made me feel a little better. Uh, although he did leave the game with a bit of a tweak of that ankle so that mm-hmm. I was fine. I, you know, cause you text me this, I believe the other day. And I said, 
that dude is superhuman. Like nobody knows his body better than him. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to ride with him until the wheels fall off. And maybe the wheels need to be touched up a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and I felt real good until yesterday when I was watching and I was like, oh man, he tweaked his ankle again. And mm-hmm. like, he was walking a little gingerly right uh, off yep. the court. Um, so slightly less confident than I've been in the past because of that. Also, you know, age factors in at some point, even with him. Yeah. So, but I, I, I again, I'm riding with him till the wheels fall off. And, and I think that he just having him on the floor, even if he's not a hundred percent, I think is so important for this Lakers team because he's the engine. Like he's everything. Yeah. He puts everyone in their proper roles, right? Mm -hmm. Offensively and defensively, this team is excellent, right? Even with him, without him, it doesn't matter. I think that if I recall the numbers correctly, when they had all of them, their their entire team together, they were first in the league in defensive rating. Um, In the span where AD was out and it was just LeBron, uh, that particular span, they were second in defensive Mm -hmm. rating. And then in the span without AD and LeBron, I think it was a total of whatever it was, you know, 20 games or something Mm -hmm. close to that. Um, They only dropped to fourth in that, for that particular span, right? Of time. I agree that Frank Vogel is the best coach in the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) So defensively, they're incredible. So I don't worry about that aspect of it uh, with them at all. But offensively, oh boy, are they not good when he's not on the floor. They're the second worst offensive team in the, in, in the sport when he's not on the floor. And, and look, we saw some of that last year, right? When he, in his off on off numbers, but now we've seen it for a larger sample size. So it, it kind of validates some of those numbers from last season. And yeah, like that, that to me is the key is that he's just going to, he's been through everything. So there's mm-hmm. that. And then he just puts people in positions to succeed. Unlike almost any player I've ever seen in the sport. Yeah, I mean, even if he just goes into purely facilitator mode and like one of the things you talked about the Lakers offense when when he wasn't around, one of the things that was super obvious was how errant a lot of the guys passes are like Schroeder especially plays offense with like perpetual turbo like the button is just always the turbo button is always being smashed. And so he's like sprint dribbling around the court. And that means that his passes you know, for a lot of these shooters, the shooting pocket really matters, especially like KCP is a pretty good shooter, but he needs all the help he can get. And, and I think with LeBron, when he wasn't healthy, you, you talk about Schroeder or Schroeder making these passes that just slightly missed the shooting pocket. And that makes KCP a less effective player. Same goes for Markeith Morris. Same goes for all of these guys, you know, Alex Caruso, all of those guys. And, and I think just having LeBron, even if he's 80% of himself, all those passes are still going to be on point. Yep. All like, he's still going to make the right read with the right timing and all of those things. And, you know, it would be fascinating if he is somewhat less of a player and it's now up to Anthony Davis, who the knock against him has always been, well, what, what would he do without LeBron James? Can he carry a team? Can he, can he win kind of on him on his own? Or, or as the, the, the alpha type star, he's talented enough to do it. There, you know, if you're just looking at a basketball player who should be able to do that, Davis checks a lot of those boxes. Mm-hmm. He might have to this year. And that, again, like, 
the, the NBA, obviously there are reasons to criticize the way that the season went. The second half of the season was so loaded with so many games for a lot of these teams and they're all exhausted. There are reasons to criticize whatever, but where we land now, where the, uh, where the NBA lands now and, and the amount of intrigue and doubt and questions with all of these teams going into it, it, it has to be thrilled. Adam Silver has to be thrilled. This is, this is going to be the most kind of fascinating postseason in, in a really long time. And a lot of that starts with the fact that both of the two betting favorites, whether it's the Lakers or Nets, nobody knows what they're going to look like. Right. <laughs> nobody right. has any idea. Right. Right. It, and it, it is wild when you think about that, right? Like it's really been a battle of attrition this season in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And there's look, I don't think there's a surprise or, you know, that Phoenix and Utah for the most part have been the healthiest teams this season, right? Philly, you know, they had that little battle with COVID at the beginning uh, mm-hmm. of the season, but outside of that, they've been relatively healthy. I know Embiid missed some time, um, but everybody's had guys miss times, right? Like yeah. th- there is not a team that we named um, on that list of teams that we think even have a remote chance of winning the championship um, that haven't had some semblance of injuries outside of really mm-hmm. Phoenix. Like Phoenix is the one because Chris has been healthy all year. Devin's been healthy all year and DeAndre has been healthy pretty much the entire season. Um, but even Utah, you know, obviously recently over the last month or so, right? No Donovan Mitchell. Um, you know, the Lakers, we've documented. The Clippers yep. have had guys in and out of the lineup. Kawhi specifically most recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we can go on and on and on and on and on. Um, you know, <laughs> Brooklyn for sure. Um, and even Giannis missed a little time this year mm-hmm. with Milwaukee. So there, there have been a lot of teams that have missed guys. So at the beginning of the season, we knew that this one would be different and challenging in a way that was almost opposite in some ways of the bubble. Um, Because you're, you're, you, you were dealing with COVID initially, right? You were playing games in, in real arenas and real cities and traveling um, but you're playing this condensed schedule and because of this condensed schedule, you're going to really magnify injuries. And that's mm-hmm. what we've seen. We, we have had more blowouts this season. The last I checked, the number was close to 20% of mm-hmm. the games, total games played were double digit, uh, wins or losses. Uh, it's the most the NBA's had in 30 or 40 years, something yeah. crazy like that. And I, a lot of that is a testament to the injuries that they've had to deal with and get into these games as quickly as possible. A lot more back-to-backs um, than we've had recently because they've, they've certainly tapered that down. And not a lot of rest in between. Um, you know, we mentioned the Heat earlier. Uh, Baxter Holmes, my colleague at ESPN, wrote a story about all this stuff, right? And in that story, one of the anecdotes that stuck out to me was Miami had a stretch of 50 50 games where they didn't have more than one day off. Like that's crazy when you think about it. Like, and by the way, there were plenty of teams that were, you know, in that forties range too, you know, they just happened to be the team at the top, but like, that's, that, that's what you were dealing with going into this season to try to get back on a more traditional calendar. Well, and, and, and Miami's dealing with that after playing longer than every other team in the NBA, except for one last year, you know, like 
it's no coincidence that the Lakers, the Heat, the Celtics, and the Nuggets have all just been kind of shells of themselves, especially down the, the final stretch of the season. They broken. all played the longest last year. and They're all and, broken, yep. Yeah, they're all, they're all exhausted, even if there aren't actual injuries, which all of them have faced this year. Now the Celtics don't have Jalen Brown. Obviously, we talked about Jamal Murray in Denver. The Heat didn't have uh, Jimmy Jimmy Butler for, for the, three and a half weeks. Yeah. Right, right. I, and, and, and obviously, we talked about the Lakers. <laughs> Those are the four best teams from last season, and they are all exhausted. Even if they aren't actually touched up, they are exhausted. I'm tired, dude. I'm just, <laughs> I yeah. talk about the sport and I'm exhausted. I'm sure you feel the same way. It, it, yeah. Like the NBA Twitter is always yelling at each other nowadays for something or other. And it's because we spent too much time around <laughs> each other. <laughs> it really is. There's too many games. It's too compact. Uh, yeah. Look, I've always said, and I, I guess that, you know, people would push back on this. I, I've always felt that you should go to a 72 game model anyway. Right. Yeah. Like, like Absolutely. just go, cut out 10 games. Right. 72 is a nice round number. You, you clearly made it work this year, right? Like you can make it work moving forward and start the season later again. Go back to starting the season right before Thanksgiving or in mid-November. Mm-hmm. And then that way you don't go up against football as much, right, from a ratings perspective. Because let's face it, most casual sports fans don't even get involved watching the NBA uh, they watch it on oh, Christmas because it's right, right. They watch it on Christmas because it's there, but really until football ends, a lot, mm-hmm. a, a lot of casual NBA fans start to trickle in, you know, after the Super Bowl. So it's why the league has done, which I think is smart, loaded up that February through April, in theory, right, schedule of primetime great matchups, right, on paper, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, on ABC, and some of the better matchups uh, end up happening in, in that stretch. But I, I just think that it's it's time to kind of – and Adam, Adam has been great about this. Like, he w- he'll move stuff around. Like, he's not afraid. Um, mm-hmm. But that one is going to be a battle because the owners, the TV rights, all that stuff is centered around 82. But I just think if, if we're looking at it, less games, I think less is more in that situation. Mm-hmm. And I say that as someone who is part of a, uh, of a partner. Um, and, and I just think those, those 72 will be more impactful from a numbers perspective and a viewership perspective than stretching it out for another 10 games, which in essence stretches it out almost another three weeks or so. Yeah. Well, I would, I would even, I would kind of take that a different way. And I would say like, there aren't enough events like an NFL Sunday is an event, right? It's you wake up out here. We are, you know, we're two hours ahead, but back home when I lived on the West coast still, you woke up 10 o'clock, the game started and you watched football from 10 till about seven o'clock that night. Yep. Yep. And, and it was, it was something that you set aside time for. You wanted mm-hmm. to see people. You want to be with people for those games. The NBA, I think has to do a little bit of work in trying to, in trying to harness that in the regular season, the notion of an event Lakers warriors on Wednesday is going to be an event. Everybody yes. is going to want to watch this. And, and to, you know, you got to credit the NBA for, for finding a way to, turn this play-in tournament into that kind of an event. It's somewhat unique because of the circumstances that went into the season, but still that's, that's how this season is going for them. And that's going to be an event. And I just think when you play 82 games over the course of a year, none of those are going to feel like an event. Like you, if you, if you start trimming it down a little bit yeah. and you really tentpole those major games there, you start, you start generating events. Um, I want to, I want to kind of really quickly 
segue over to the lasting impact of the season. And, you know, we've talked about the injuries and all that stuff. Do you think, do you think, you know, LeBron is, is not hundred percent. Do you think this is something that the NBA is, is nervous about the notion of man, Jamal Murray, isn't going to be healthy at the beginning of next season. Um, Jalen Brown is, is, is not going to be hundred percent at the, at the beginning of next season. Do you think the league is nervous at all about the impact that all of this work to get back to the more traditional schedule, that impact on the, the, the league stars? Yeah, I, I think they care because this is a league of stars, right? So, yeah. and I think that, that that's important. And you look at a team like Boston, right? They're still, they're a tent pole franchise, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, and not having their second best player is, is a problem, right? Yeah. Um, so, and Jamal Murray, right? Like this Denver team that, you know, is fun and interesting. Um, and he's clearly kind of their emotional leader, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that that, not having him hurts, right? So th when you have a league predicated on its stars, when there aren't as many stars available, it's it's a bad thing. Uh, I do think that, look, naturally, right? They would only be human to feel this way. It's just like, all right, man, let's, we're just trying to get through this one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and then we'll deal with that next year. And yes, that sucks. Um, and so I, I say that on the front end, because I know that they definitely care about that. Um, but on the back end, I also think that they're just like, we just need to get through the finish line here and just try mm -hmm. to figure this thing out. Um, because remember, there's still players that are going to want to play in the Olympics, right? Not only to represent their country, but in some cases, they have business interests um, Absolutely. playing in the Olympics. So I think that this, this season um, presents a boatload of challenges, right? And I think that, you know, them getting through the regular season portion of it is one breath right? Then getting through the playoffs is another, and then hopefully getting through the Olympics is another, and then they can just kind of take a break. Um, and I, I do think though, that they will get back on their calendar um, or at least close to it because, you know, summer league is going to happen. And to my knowledge, and it's going to probably happen in August and, mm -hmm. you know, it, you know, as opposed to July. Right. But I, I do think that they're going to get close to getting back to a more traditional schedule and, you know, they they feel that that's where they can maximize some of those opportunities that you and I were discussing. And, yeah. you know, I, again, hopefully it, it it starts in November. Right. Because traditionally over the last I don't know, whatever it's been, five, six, seven years, they've started maybe like a week before Halloween, like, you know, October 20th. Sounds about right. 22nd mm -hmm. in that range. Again, just do, make it November, like make it mid-November. Just mm -hmm. be good like that. That that to me is where that's a sweet spot because that's the NBA I grew up on. Right. It was November. Um, it was October was preseason. So I think that that that's where their goal should be. But I do think they care. Yes. To answer your question, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So we'll get you out of here on this one. Do you have any predictions like any? Oh, I got tons any... of predictions. Let's go. Let's go through it. Let's you want right. to do it real quick. Let's go. All right. All right. So, well, so we have two things I forgot because I'm, I'm going to start playing a game with all the with all the guests from now on. So okay. you're, you're going to be the you're going to be the guinea pig on the game. All right. Here. But all right. Finals matchup. Who are you calling? Despite all the stuff I said earlier about battle of attrition and health and is that I'm still going to go Lakers Nets. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's ridiculous. As, uh, I sat here for 30 minutes giving you all the reasons why someone else would get there. But again, if here the caveat is none of it would surprise me if that's completely wrong. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that if it is Milwaukee or Utah or Philly versus the Clippers, which would be the Doc Bowl, which would actually be kind of interesting, I think, um, from a basketball perspective, maybe mm-hmm. not from a general audience perspective. Um, but yeah, like I, I, you know, if I had look, if I'm betting money on it, I'm putting, I'm, I'm saying it's Lakers Nets. Who, so of the non-stars, right? So every team that it's at the top, you have, you know, Gobert and Mitchell for Utah. You have right. CB3 Booker, whatever. But which guy do you think can elevate their stock, take that leap in this next postseason? Which which guy are you looking at and saying, huh, that guy, that guy might be the next dude if he just plays the right way that you know, if he does if he does the right, right things here. What's interesting because I think Booker needs to prove that on yeah. this stage, right? I so you mentioned him, uh, you know, but he hasn't really done that on this stage. And and we do ask guys to do that, right? Like we've not me, but the community has uh, gotten on James Harden for many, many years, and he's a superstar about his lackluster postseasons, right? So um, I do think you need to see um, someone like him elevate himself. But if I'm looking for like an X factor or like a young guy, right? That um, I think Drew Holiday in Milwaukee will be an interesting one. Yeah, because I like it. He's better than Bledsoe. Um, mm-hmm. And he's going to have a real test right out of the gate. Right. Like we're going to see his impact right at the gate. Milwaukee and Miami, to me, is the most intriguing series of the first round um, in the Eastern Conference, because Mike Budenholzer, the reports are out there that if he doesn't get to the conference finals or finals or whatever it was, he's he's probably going to be out. And I think the last team he wanted to see was Miami. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Eric Spolster and Jimmy Butler and that group um, and what they did to them last year. But I think that they should feel way more confident because Holiday is so much better than Bledsoe. And not only is he better defensively, but he's better offensively. Um, but, you know, Drew has had some small moments in the playoffs, hasn't had very many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have a large sample size in the postseason. So I think he's one of those guys that I'm looking at and going, hmm, I want to see what he does. Yeah. Um, that's not a all-star, superstar caliber type player. And I know he's made one all-star game, but – um, he's one, I would say he's probably the guy in the East, um, in the West. If I were picking someone, let me see Utah Phoenix. I mean, Aiton is probably in that category too, just like Booker, mm-hmm. right? He wouldn't be there. He, you know, but he's an all-star caliber. Well, he hasn't been one. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, let me see. Oh, you know what? I was one. Aaron, Aaron Dudley. Okay. No, Aaron Gordon. Uh-huh. Aaron Gordon hasn't been in very many playoff series. I know no. he's, you know, he's Orlando, right? He's been out mm-hmm. in the first round. Um, Aaron Gordon, I thought with Murray and him and Jokic, that team would have been really formidable yeah. because of, uh, and, you know, Michael Porter Jr. is a scoring option too. Uh, but Aaron Gordon to me is like one of those perfect glue guys on a yeah. really good team. Iggy. Yeah, right. Very much like Iguodala. Um and I, so he's one of those guys. Like if I had to pick one guy in the West, it would be him because if he elevates his game, I, you know, Denver can beat Portland in that first series. Oh yeah. 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 I, Denver, I think of, of all the Western teams is still the team that makes me the most nervous. Yeah. Not I mean, I picked uh, Portland. I, I picked Portland in on the ESPN.com thing, but that's just cause it, to me, Gordon is a question mark. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, um, 
I'm not nervous about Utah, not particularly nervous about Phoenix, but Denver, Jokic is just so good. Like, I I still don't think people, (laughs) I still don't think people quite understand how good that dude is. Well, and here's the other aspect that doesn't get discussed at all, because we always just talk about how great he is offensively, but it wasn't that long ago, maybe even last regular season, where there were moments that he was played off the floor in the end of games, right? That mm-hmm. they, that Michael Malone was literally substituting him in and out offense, defense um, a year or two ago. And that's not the case anymore. Like he mm-hmm. is at least someone out there who can handle his own business, right? For lack of a better phrase. So I, I think in that regard, he doesn't get enough credit for where he's gone defensively, which is at least competent. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the new game that we're introducing here on um, on this Anthony Irwin show, uh, everybody knows me obviously for the for the churro stumble, for the Euro stumble, like whatever whatever you guys want to call it. Uh, my my missed layup there. You guys know my embarrassing sports moment. George, do you have a a a most embarrassing sports moment? Like a moment that you just like something happened and you just wanted to assume the fetal position? Oh man, I wish I would have had a little heads up on this because I mean I. I don't know. Um, I mean, I can give you something recently, right? right. Um, I mean, within the last several years. So when I moved to LA, um, I used to live in Pasadena and I used to play at the LA fitness there and I was, you know, approaching 40. Mm -hmm. And my thing was, I want to play until I hit 40. Mm -hmm. And um, I played one day after I hit 40 and (laughs) I was, these kids, you know, they're 21, two, three years old. I mean, they were just crossing me up and just like oh, no. <laughs> embarrassing me in like the worst way possible. Um, and I, yeah, it, it just was like, yeah, I'm 20 years older than them. I have zero chance of trying to defend them. Um, I, I remember when, when Steph crossed up Chris Paul. Yeah. That one time when Chris was the clever, right? I look like the Matrix. Like there was, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's, you know, in my head it felt like that, right? Like I don't know if it was actually like that, but it absolutely felt like that at least several times in that last time I played at LA Fitness when I was forty years old. So I'm now, and that's it. That's when I gave up. And my wife was like, you're always complaining about your ankles hurting, your knees hurting. You're an old man. Like give it up already. Stop. And I did. I did. I took her advice. I, I feel like your wife and my wife would get along really well. Probably. It's yeah. Just like the brutally honest, what, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. What, what? For sure. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. So you can find Sedano, obviously, on, on 4 to 7, from 4 to 7 on ESPN LA with the uh, Sedano, LZ, and Cap show. Uh, he's also obviously in the jump. Uh, if you're watching a game there, chances are you're watching him on the sideline with his uh, turtleneck and, and necklace combo. No turtleneck anymore. That's it. It's it's hot outside. You can't do turtleneck in May. Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, you're indoors. Those yeah. gyms are kind of yeah, that's Yeah, but I got to get inside the arena. Come on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you guys if you guys are watching any of these games that are all going to be fantastic, chances are uh, George is going to be involved in some way, shape, or form. Thank you very much, George, for hopping on. And, and, and braving the, the, the first episode of, of this Anthony Irwin show. Well, I'm super excited for you, as I told you at the beginning. I'm super proud of you. And thank you for having me on, on your maiden voyage. Uh, I now feel like we have taken our relationship to a different level, yeah. despite the fact we vehemently disagree about our television viewing. 
We didn't even. All right, next time you're on, we're gonna talk. We'll do that again. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> They're only in the Hall of Fame now, so I mean, I'm sure that 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 yeah, there's that. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, the, the as Hall a group, not even like individually anymore. Yeah. No, no Hall of Fame uh, inductees are 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 questionable at all. Looks at Ty Cobb. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the uh, after we're gonna take a quick second here. When we come back, we are going to uh, have Sam Isfandiari of Blue Wire of of the Light Years podcast to preview this Lakers Warriors game on Wednesday that might light Twitter on fire. All right, joined now by Sam Sfondiari of the Light Years Pod. He did, he and Andy Lou are are basically like the Harrison and me of of Warriors stuff. <laughs> and uh it, it, it's always better nice. or worse. <laughs> yeah, it's always nice. It's been fun uh watching both fan bases uh, uh you know see who can use the we believe hashtag more uh, <laughs> than the other one for for this uh for this game that they have on Wednesday. I, I want to start here. Like if there's like a, a nuggets or, or, you know, nuggets bucks finals, does this game rate higher than all of the finals games? I mean, without a question, uh, there's just <laughs> first, first off, like Lakers have the most fans globally warriors, somewhere in the top five, depending mm-hmm. on how you think. Definitely with Steph Curry, I would say they're one of the two or three most popular teams in the league. Uh, then you have probably the two most popular stars, not saying the two best players, just the two players who sell the most merchandise and jerseys mm-hmm. at all times. Uh, and then on top of it, they have played each other how many times over the last seven years? So yeah. it's... I don't it's even the know Lakers like, Celtics like of, of, of player rivalries. Like it's, it's late. It's Dodgers giants. It's right. Like it's Phil Tiger. The, it's, it's awesome. And that's, that's like the second layer to it. Like the warriors and Lakers have never really been rivals. Like for most no. of my life, the, the Lakers have been excellent. And the Warriors have been pretty bad. Uh, and then when the warriors finally get new ownership and turn into a proper team, the Lakers go through like what you're, you're worse, like six, seven years. <laughs> like, it's it's of just kind of funny. Yeah. But like, as we know, like there is a NorCal SoCal sports rivalry, oh, yeah. um, probably more baseball than anything. Cause that's just where it manifests itself. And you could just, you could just see the fans like itching for it. Like mm-hmm. um, end of the day, you know, this Warriors team without Clay Thompson's not really a title contender. They're more of like a fun, a good story who could make a little noise, but like, they're itching for let's just say those two teams being like the Titans of the West and them actually playing with stakes. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I was before, before this conversation, um, Sedano was, is, is the guest before, before you on this one, on the, on the other side of the break. And, and I asked him like, did, were, were all the, the ESPN executives just crying in hallways? Like, was, <laughs> was, like is this, cause they even have the game. And he says, yeah, absolutely. Everybody has like an extra kind of spring in their step now because the league ESPN, all the partners have been, have been just kind of hoping that, that right. this kind of a rivalry would, you know, not necessarily thinking it might happen because, the timelines are kind of off, especially with the clay injury or whatever, but, right. but it was, it's, it's, you have a whole bunch of people who's like, man, it, wouldn't it be cool? It would be cool. Yeah. I can't believe it's actually happening. And, and that's kind of where, where I'm sitting now, where 
you know, my, my family and stuff and, and, and people in the mentions, I say, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game. And they're like, aren't you terrified of Steph? And it's like, you should be terrified <laughs> about this kind of game. Like it doesn't feel like it's not real unless there, there isn't some, some anxiety. Some butterflies. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's, um, this is actually probably the, from a warrior's perspective, the calmest I've felt because it's like, they're the underdogs here. They're yeah. like nothing to lose. So, so let's just say if the, you know, the, let's say the 2020 Lakers show up tomorrow, the team that won the title, who was the best team in the league last year. And it's not much of a game, mm. you know, like mm-hmm. I, it would suck, but it's like, it, it's not the same anxiety as when the Warriors had Kevin Durant and like any chance that they were um, going to lose, you're like, oh God, we're never going to hear the end of this type of thing. Or like even in 2016 when they did yeah. lose and you never heard the end of it. So <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of fun being on the opposite side of it. Um, that's typically where the Warriors have been my whole life, but uh, the last like five, six years, you know, obviously they've taken kind of the Goliath title and been in a, in a different position. So it's kind of fun to get back here where it's like, Hey man, we're not the, you know, Warriors aren't the ones with the pressure this time. They get to play free. How do you think this game actually goes? Like, have you, have you started playing it out in your brain at all yet? Or is it, is it mostly just, you know, I don't even care. <laughs> this is going to be fun. I have, you know, it's funny. Um, so the Memphis game on Sunday was really fun because it, it had a playoff intensity in terms of like mm-hmm. actual game planning, like Memphis wanted to put Dylan Brooks on Steph the whole time and hound him and had this whole scheme that was reminiscent of the playoffs. Also on top of it, you just saw intensity that looked like a playoff game because, Mm -hmm. well, you know, it determined who was the eight and who was the nine. So um, I was watching that and the whole time, like, you know what, like, this is kind of how you want to guard Steph. But instead of having one wing, who's going to hound you and kind of foul you and kind of play within the margins, um, or guard, sorry. Mm-hmm. The Lakers probably have three guys who can do that. There's yeah. KCP, there's Caruso, um, Talon Horton Tucker can do it some. Uh, even Dennis Schroeder is just a massive irritant. He's just not as big as those guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like on the on the flip side, it's like, okay, you want a big who's mobile enough to switch. Jaron Jackson's pretty good at that, but he's not Anthony Davis. He's not LeBron James. So I was just watching it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of why the Lakers are the champion because Memphis had the perfect game plan but they didn't have didn't the they didn't have the depth or the talent. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit of both. Like maybe Jaron Jackson gets there one day, but he's 21. He's not, you know, Anthony Davis in his prime. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, maybe they pick up a few other guys, but like Dylan Brooks fouled out because he was on stuff the whole time. Yeah. The Lakers would will have the luxury of being able to like, oh, KCP's in foul trouble. Let's put Caruso on there. Or just like the other thing was Dylan Brooks just he just got tired after a while. The Lakers yeah. don't have to like commit one guy to running the Steph marathon as he runs forever and ever. Right. They can, they can switch it up. So yeah. I've started playing around a little in my head, as you can tell. Yeah. I, I was, you know, cause I, I did the, I did a Twitter spaces thing. I, there's so many of those like locker room, Twitter, whatever. And I was, right. and I was um, talking with, with uh, Matt Moore and then um, Anthony Slater and the comparison I would make was last year when the Lakers beat the Rockets, they basically just like you're saying, they just cycle through these guys and they just, it's, it's right. always some fresh new body that they were hurling it at Harden and, and Harden makes the game kind of easier on the Lakers and that they would force him to pass the ball. And then he would just go kind of mope in the corner or mope up right. at, 
it just stands court. at the top of the key with his hands up. Right. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> and, and, but like Steph doesn't do that. Steph right. will pass the ball and it's a backdoor cut or it's whatever it is. He just kind of, he just kind of runs and, and the way that you kind of call Schroeder an irritant, like that's kind of what Curry is offensively too. Right. He's just like, he's just kind of always in motion. And if he has a crack of a half of a second, that, that shot's going up. And that's what I'm, I've most enjoyed about his season this year is that he just, if it takes 40 shots, I'm just going to shoot it 40 times. If it takes 20 plus three pointers, I'm going to shoot 20 plus three pointers. And I kind of wish he wouldn't have figured that out before this game because now I'm terrified he's going to take 23 pointers and make 13 of them. Steph is um, Steph doesn't talk a lot, but he hears everything. And yeah. so I think part of him heard um, relished the fact to shut up everyone who said, Oh, you know, he can't carry. He couldn't do what Russell Westbrook did that one year. He couldn't do what James Harden's done to carrying a team. And I think that motivated him more. That's why you see him, you know, you, you've heard Draymond all year kind of be like, I don't get excited for the play-in tournament. I get excited to compete for titles. Meanwhile, like Steph is just excited <laughs> to shut everyone up, honestly. Yeah. Like that's a, that's his whole thing. Like he's relentless. He's relentless in a completely different way than Russell Westbrook, but in some ways it's the same mentality of I'm going to keep coming. Their, their games are just complete opposites, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it... it doesn't it shouldn't surprise anybody that Steph has had the success he's had and, and Harden hasn't because of that approach to it, right? Like Harden, it was the most I mean, it, it helped the Lakers at the end of the day. I was fine with it because it was like, Yeah, cool, go stand up there if you want to go stand up there. But then like the basketball fan in you too is saying, Man, well, who do you think you're helping up there? What, what do you think is going and I watch Steph and I watch him kind of put everything into every second the way that he does, right. and and it's just the basketball fan in me says, yeah, that dude gets it. That dude understands what it takes to be successful. I uh, sometimes feel like someone like, like Harden checks out of a game where yeah. he's just, he's, he's done the mental calculus. He's like, all right, we're not going to beat AD and LeBron. Like Russ mm -hmm. is, it's not happening. So why should I even bother? Right. And Steph for better or worse, going to give you his best punch to the last minute. And yeah. you kind of have to, if nothing else, respect it. Like he's, you know, the Lakers could blow them out tomorrow they could, in whatever happens. But like, I just can't see him stop running and trying to get open just because they're down 20 points or something. Yeah. So aside from LeBron and aside from Anthony Davis, like, is there, is there an aspect of playing the Lakers that makes you the most nervous? Like, like how you said you started playing out the scenarios in your head what do you think the likeliest scenario is if you're if you're watching the game and saying, "Yep, yeah, we probably should have seen this coming." So I'm. They've played three times this year, and mm -hmm. I don't know that we can take anything from any of those just because the Warriors and the Lakers had vastly different rotations. They've been like, so different, yeah. Yeah, they, I don't think Drummond was on the team any of the times they played. Um, actually, no, he definitely wasn't. And then, mm -hmm. um, obviously, the Warriors were unsure what they wanted to do with James Wiseman and Kelly Oubre was in the mix. And it's just for better or worse. I, I don't think there's too much you can tell from it, but the, the only thing I'll take from it is um, if the Warriors can survive an initial wave, when the Lakers try to exert their physicality, I like their chances to 
stay in the game and make it go down to the wire. Mm. My big concern is uh, the Lakers just have more bodies on the perimeter to throw at staff than maybe any team in the league. Like yeah. it's kind of funny as I was going through it. I'm like, wow, they really kind of des- devised the perfect team to guard Steph Curry <laughs> um, uh, minus, you know, the health issues down the stretch, yeah. but like in on paper anyway. Mm-hmm. And then um, it, it's really just the physicality. Like I, in the games, the Lakers blew the Warriors out. It was like LeBron pick six, KCP, you know, turn. they just forced turnovers and they were up 20, you know, three minutes into the second quarter, something like that. And like, they're more, they're too talented to, you know, if they're up 20, they're probably not going to give up that kind of a lead, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you don't want to fall down to a team who's that good defensively because you, you just can't dig in on them that much. So my big thing would be if the Warriors can survive the initial wave of Laker aggression on defense and just kind of the fact that they're, they are bigger, stronger, faster overall across the line. Like they're bigger in the front court. Um, they're, they're quick all over and they have bodies. What do you think? So I, I have the Lakers winning this one. I don't know that I don't, I don't know how it's going to look or anything like that. Just because the Lakers have been so impossible to <laughs> guess anything, right. you know, uh, it's been such a weird year for the Lakers. They all look exhausted, but I have them winning. I still don't think golden state moves on from the second playing game. And then uh, goes on to, I think, really kind of test the, the, the Jazz, if, mm-hmm. if that's what it looks like. And I, I, I have the Lakers beating Phoenix fairly handily. It makes this season so fascinating because the teams that are going to come out of this thing, it's, it's unique. We're not going to see this again. Where the teams that are going to come out of these play-in games, uh, they could really test slash maybe should be favored against right. the team that they're going to play next. And, you know, I... I the thing that I keep on trying to tell everybody when they ask, like, what do you think of this playing game is like, I love the concept. I think it's really cool, but let's not fall in love with it this year because it's such a unique circumstance. It's so the Lakers aren't normally going to be the kind of team that is in this spot. The Warriors, even with the player as talented as Steph is not normally going to be in this kind of a spot. Uh, What do you, what do you see golden state doing moving forward? So for golden state, I actually, their season has changed since Wiseman Ubre went down. And, you know, I hate to push it that way, but it's like the, the defining thing about the Warriors season had been, they can't pick a direction. It's like, you have Stefan Draymond who want to compete, but you have this number two pick who you want to develop. You have like Jordan Poole who you want to develop, who's turned into a nice little player himself. And it's like, they're trying to do everything. And in the process, they've done nothing. So, Now some guys go down and they could commit to this clear identity. We're a small ball team who runs and who's going to terrify you because we're going to try to get Steph in as much space as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's generally bad for you. Um, The thing with them is like, now they're down to eight, nine bodies. They're thin. And I do think they can scare anyone. I just wonder how many games they have in them because, um, depth size those things show themselves over a best of seven right those yeah. are the things that like you wear down like i think the warriors can beat the lakers they're i wouldn't favor them to beat the lakers but i think they could beat them on wednesday i think they wouldn't have a chance in hell of beating them in a best of seven mm-hmm. without some um health you know some injury luck or something like that just because like 
seven games of dealing with Anthony Davis and LeBron and all the physicality that brings. Like I'm not even mentioning Drummond, Gasol, those guys who are, they're all bigger than anyone in the Warriors rotation. Like mm-hmm. the, I think the thing that people don't always realize, like Kayvon Looney, who's the tallest player in the Warriors rotation right now is probably the same height as LeBron James. So yeah, like thinner. they're, yeah, yeah. He, he's kind of built like Kuzma, honestly, mm-hmm. like that kind of a build. So they're, they're a small team. They're, they fight really hard. They're very easy to root for and they're enjoyable, but like there are realities that come with, you know, being undersized in that case. So um, to back to your, back to your point on the plan. I mean, this year's unique. It's kind of fun um, yeah. that we have this situation, but like, I would say in future years, the plan could be really fun for young teams. Like we all kind of thought the Pelicans were going to be that young up next team that hasn't worked out but like how fun mm-hmm. would it be if they actually got their act together and you have like 23 year old brandon ingram and 21 year old zion who looks amazing and that sort of stuff and it's like you know that that's where i think the plans money's more likely to be than you know praying for like title favorites to have just a cursed year injury wise yeah I, I i i agree that that should be that should be the goal you know, they could hope for a situation like they have now, but that should be. And, you know, you and I, I think we have very similar thoughts on how the league is kind of marketed and, and, sure. and the major, the major platforms and the, you know, you, it kind of irks, I think you and I, the way that, the way that some of the major platforms handle covering the league. And, and I think if, if this, if this playing thing goes the way that it should, it gives people an opportunity to, watch who's next in these extremely high leverage situations in ways that you wouldn't if it was like a a one eight series that was being broadcast on nba tv you know and it, and and that's what that's what I, I i'm looking forward to the most even if this is such a unique situation we are going to be moving forward with with a different look at the league and teams that you know might not have gotten the Memphis, exposure that they should Memphis have all a year. Perfect, Memphis is a perfect example, in my opinion. Yeah. Like John Morant's a star in the making. He's not quite there, but he's you know what? I love the fact that he kind of uh tried to talk trash to Steph. Like, yeah, that's good. That's good that the young guys, like, I think I can take him. Didn't work out for him, but I appreciate <laughs> it, right? You know, like I yeah. really do because that sort of th- that sort of stuff makes this fun. And yeah, I think with no play-in, you might have seen a team like Memphis decide, well, yeah. let's let's start resting him down the stretch and get that better draft pick and that sort of stuff. Right. And that's really where I, you know, maybe it didn't work out perfectly the way you wanted this year, but that's where I really hope the value in it comes because I'm just so tired of seeing teams halfway through the Dang. season. You know, they're yeah. they're like, all right, well, you know, we're we're 20 and 25 but we can't really do anything in the playoffs. So let's tank and see if we can get in the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes or whoever yeah. that year's is, you know? Yeah, I agree completely. It, it served its purpose. You knew it served its purpose when like LeBron's talking shit on it. And Mark Cuban is, is knocking it, you know, you know, it was right. working when those guys are like, when, when it's ruffling feathers, you know, it's a good idea there. Um, well, this was, a, this was a ton of fun, man. I, I really appreciate you hopping on, especially on short notice. Uh, I can't wait for Wednesday. I, it's 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 some it's probably the most I've looked forward to a non you know deep in the playoffs game in a really long time and it's just because it's not even like you know Steph loses this game and we just definitively say see we told you right 
or it's like, like even that they're eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, right. So. Right. Like, I just want to, I just want to see these guys. Like I want to see Steph go down shooting 25, three pointers. I can't wait. I can't, I want to see LeBron, you know, come back from this ankle thing. That's been obviously bugging him. I want to see him go out there and, 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 uh, dominate a game in the way that he hasn't really since the beginning of the season so far. And, and I can't wait to see how all of this kind of comes to fruition. It's, it's, it's a blast. It's, it's really good for the league. You know what it is, man. It's like every year we ignore college basketball until March madness. And then no matter how much you can get irritated by like the quality of play, single elimination has a way of making you watch. So even though the loser tonight, isn't going to be eliminated, it's a game seven. It's going to, or sorry, Wednesday. It's going to have a game seven feel to it. And that is yeah. just the most fun thing in sports. Like we just want to feel like it matters. Sometimes yeah. in the middle of an NBA season, it's such a slog and like it's on everyone's face. I'm just excited to see LeBron James, Stephen Curry, Anthony Davis, Draymond Green play a basketball game that matters to them. That's going to be fun. The thing I'm most terrified by is Draymond hitting like five three pointers. <laughs> Like that would that would I be think so you, perfectly seasoned. You might have to go back to presidential elections for the last time that's happened. So um, uh, I'm just saying, I like, will not be betting game, on it. But yeah, yeah, these one game samples, man. Like weird stuff happens, and yeah. and a guy like Draymond too. Like he's a gamer, and he is. If, if some weird thing was to happen, it might be that. And I'm just going to be sitting here, so I'm like, oh, cool, awesome. All right, I guess we'll see Memphis. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But uh, but yeah. Uh, I want to send you guys out to uh, the Light Years podcast. You guys, if you listen to this show and you enjoy the way that I cover the team, I'm telling you, you guys will enjoy the way that Andy and Sam cover it, uh, cover their their uh, the team that they cover. Uh, and and then all the, you're still doing uh, locker rooms after every game too, right? And uh, yeah, we're gonna. We're, oh man, after uh, Wednesday's <laughs> game, I mean, I hope we don't short circuit the servers, but yeah, Laker fans or Warrior fans, feel free to come stop by. Um, it is going to be warrior focused. Uh, so it'll either be euphoric or, you know, just kind of a therapy session. Yeah. Uh, either way, I think it'll be enjoyable, be fun to listen to. And we always throw the pot on the feed the next day. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much, man, for hopping on and, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. And that is going to do it for the very first episode of the Anthony Irwin podcast. We are going to be doing this every Monday uh, and, and with whichever guests, uh, I'm, I'm able to convince to come on. Thank you guys very much for, for listening to this and for all the support to this point. Uh, I'm going to hop off of this and record the Lakers lowdown, which is going to be a shorter form podcast to let you guys know, uh, what you need to know about the Lakers from the day before and get you guys ready for the day ahead. Have a great one, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week.